0: I'm excited today as we conclude our series, Lace Them Up. Hopefully for you, it's been a challenging, affirming. Hopefully you are running the race that God has marked out for you in a way that has given him greater glory. The truth is, in this race, this lane that you and I have, there should be opportunities for us to retell the stories of what God has done. All along our lane, all along the way, there should be these monuments. There should be these reminders That this is what God has done. This is what he did here. This is what he continues to do. We need to stop and tell the story so that others can know and their faith can grow and our faith can grow too as a reminder that no matter what we face today, no matter how difficult it is today we can go on because God did this for me. So just picture, if again, if this is your lane, this is your lane that you are running in. Stay in your lane, but all along the way should be reminders, should be moments or tokens or stories to tell. As a family, we would often sit around our, our, our evening table or our supper table, and we would tell stories of the goodness of God. And as our kids would grow, they would often say, Dad, tell that story again. Mom, tell that story again as if a reminder that we need it, that God is good, he's faithful, and that he can continue to press on. So I say, tell the story again. And my hand is a golf ball that doesn't mean probably much to many in this room except probably to my wife and me. When we were in the old building on Clinton Street, we had a dream to build a multi-purpose facility. And there were a faithful group of people, some are still with us that are even here today, way before many of you became part of Grace Community Church, that decided that we would move from the church that we, building we were in, sell it, go portable church in the middle school on Sundays. That's where we held our worship service. On Wednesday nights, we would take our our preschool to sixth grade and put it in model elementary. On Wednesday nights, we would put our junior high and senior high in the old New Paris Elementary School. And then on During the weekday, we would put our offices in Dr. Boyd's office. So we were in four places at one time. It was quite a a time for 15 months. Every Sunday morning, we would set up, we would tear down and meet. And it was during that time prior to moving to the school that many here, a group of about 200 people decided that they would sacrifice and give so that we could build this building. We began searching all over Goshen for land, knowing that God wanted us to move somewhere. Uncertain, but we had this group of people that began this search, and this property here came on our target one weekend. And as we're riding by, it was an alfalfa field that had a, 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 a walnut tree in the middle of it, and I remember seeing it, thinking that would be a great place for a church. So this team contacted, found the owner of this property who had been contacted, she said, by multiple people, 10, 15, 20 people who wanted to buy this ground and do other things on it. And so we engaged and talked to her and had a conversation with her and said, we would like to build a church on this 13 acres of property called Grace Community Church with hopes of reaching this community. Arlene heard the story She was given the property from her father, who was a believer, and she was too, and she said these words I'll never forget. She said, my father would love to know that a church was built on the property that he once tilled up and farmed. So during that time, we began this campaign, and it was a stretch, to be quite frank, to take a small group of people and to put a $3 million building project in the move. It was a lot to trust God for, because we had never had that kind of potential mortgage. We had never had that kind of stretching of faith. And I remember at one point we were in the middle school, and that weight of that potential looming mortgage hitting us was heavy on my heart. And I was reading through Scripture, trying to gain understanding from Scripture and encouragement, and I just needed to hear from God that we're going to be okay because I was feeling the brunt and the weight of what if... We get there, and we can't pay the bills. (laughs) You probably don't think that about church, but you think that about your own home and your own projects. And I carry that way night after night. What if the people don't come? We build this building. What if? What will happen? So I began to process those thoughts. And that Sunday in the middle school, I did a message, and I took golf balls. And I had these golf balls, and one of the golf balls was an X-Out golf ball. And I shared that Sunday that the vision that we had was to reach the community of Goshen. And I said, it's, Some of us don't like X outs. We throw them aside because they're not a good enough golf ball to hit on the golf course. But I said, God wants us to reach the X outs of Goshen. And so I held this ball up and I said, I want you to see this as a reminder that no one is X out with Jesus. And through the week, I held on to that ball. One of the days, Ann and I, we would come here often. We would prayer walk around the property before the building was built. And one of the days, I said, we just I just want to go to the property. Would you come with me? She said, absolutely, Jim. And we began to walk this property before there was a building here. It's hard to think back. It was just a sweet, sweet time. Get choked up thinking of it. As we're walking around the property and praying and asking God that he would bring people from all walks of life, that families would come to know Jesus and individuals would come to know Jesus. And I'm looking out, it's many of you and praise God for that. And as we're walking the property, we're praying. I was praying, Lord, I know you will provide, God. I just need a sign from you that we're going to, this is going to be okay. And so we're walking back to our vehicle. We parked the Jeep. We pulled in the middle of the field. And as I'm walking across the field, I stumbled across a golf ball that had an X out on it <laughs> right out in the middle of the field. I picked it up, and that Sunday I had just preached that God wants us to reach the people that others throw out. It was as if God had planted that ball in the middle of the field and said, Jim, there's your sign. This is the place that we will reach people for Jesus. It's a reminder. It's a story that we continue to tell. Because if we don't tell the story of God's faithfulness, then how will the world know, how will the generations coming behind us know that our God can do the same for us as he did for those in the Old Testament? The people of Israel had just witnessed years before crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground. A new generation of people, Moses took them there, was now being born and raised up. All they heard was the story And now they're standing before the flooded Jordan River during harvest season, and God is calling them to cross the Jordan River. And if you cross the river while it's at flood stage, listen, he says, I will help you get across. I will part the river. A new generation needed to know that they could do that. So Joshua did something that we should do. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you and turn to Joshua chapter 3. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Joshua chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 7 to 17. I'll ask you to stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 7 to 17 out loud together. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Georgian waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Mosquito Bites, all the ites, verse 11, a bunch of them. Then he says this in 11, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the waters from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. You may have a seat. Sometimes in the midst of a miracle, in the midst of God answering a prayer for you and for me, those prayers that we have labored over, Lord, give me this opportunity, God, build this relationship. God, restore what's been taken by the locusts. God, allow me another opportunity. God, I get back up and run again. Sometimes in the midst of him providing, we need to enjoy the view when it happens the first time. And so as I think about them crossing the Jordan River, I've often postured this thought in my mind. Was there anyone as they crossed this river, that they stop and say, just stop a second? Everybody, Listen do you realize what's happening? Like seriously. In fact, it says as soon as the priest touched the water, the water upstream literally stopped and piled up in a heap. Have you ever seen that happen before? No, you haven't. 20 miles. I'll give you a little context here. If we were to take US 15 and, and 21 here, jump over to 15, and we were to drive 20 miles south. That puts you about in Warsaw, down by TJ Maxx, where a lot of you like to shop. My family likes to shop. Just 20 miles down, US 15, that's about 20 miles. So picture if you can, literally, the water stopped flowing for 20 miles. Now, wrap your mind around this a second. Why 20 miles? Because we know from studying history, there were about a million people that were with this group, and then there were animals, and then there were children, and then all their possessions. So it literally took that wide a space for a million plus, couple million plus people to cross over. So just picture, you're driving down US 15, and the whole way down, you see this line and train of people, animals, possessions. That's Potentially, how wide, how long this was of people crossing through God's planet Earth. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And so, as they crossed over, and it says it was on dry ground, Joshua knew that this was something that this generation had never seen. They had heard about the Red Sea crossing. But majority of the people that crossed the Red Sea weren't alive during this time. And now this new generation was coming along. It was a daring attempt for them to even attempt this, especially the priests, unless God intervened. And the text says, as soon as, so it wasn't like God parted and then they crossed, there was this step of faith unknown to these priests as they carried the Ark of the Covenant, which was a representative that God was with them. The throne room of God was with them. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and someone up front says, let's do it, boys. <laughs> someone had to take the first step, and the first step in, is as soon as, but not until as soon as, the water just parted, and it piled up into a heap, up in the air, clean down to the Dead Sea. Prior to that, Joshua told them this before they crossed. Look at chapter 3 and bump up to verse 5. Joshua told the people in verse 5 prior to the priest's crossing, consecrate yourselves. Verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do what kind of things among you? Amazing things. What does that mean, amazing things? What is an amazing thing? How do people know about amazing things? All along our way, God has done things. And if we're not constantly telling people what God has done and giving him public praise, then how will they know? And so we got to constantly, as we run this race, tell the stories, remind our children, remind the people to come. There is, in other words, he's looking, he said, tomorrow great things will happen, amazing things will happen. And these amazing things are just like what had already happened, but you must step out in faith. And then it says this in chapter 3 and verse 14. Look at verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. I love that phrase. It appears over and over and over as soon as they touch the water, as soon as. And I was thinking as soon as you sign up for that thing that you've been talking about doing, as soon as you put your name in to the, the list of that spot that you want. As soon as you walk across the street and share with your neighbor, you could see someone come to Christ. As soon as you buy your passport instead of keep saying, one of these days. As soon as you get counseling in your marriage and restore that relationship, you'll never see Victory. As soon as you leave camp, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. God was about to do something, but people had to leave camp, and someone had to lead the way and trust, and they had to believe that God could do amazing things, that he had done previously that he could do for them. You know, it's real easy for us to read the Bible and hear about talking donkeys. Think, can God still do that today? It's real easy for us to read about this passage. Can God still part a Jordan River for us and people can walk across on dry ground? Is he the same God? You see, we need to keep telling our stories so that people know that even today, God can do the impossible. Keep telling the stories. Otherwise, you know what happens? We begin to make decisions based on what we've had, based on what we have, and not on what God has. (laughs) We base it all on does it compute, yet we need to have this God peace in our lives. Almost all of the people of Israel who had witnessed the crossing of the Red Sea prior to this escape had died. Sometimes we miss the lessons in the victory because we are 10 miles ahead thinking about the next thing. And we need reminders that God can do the impossible for us. So look at verse 16 of chapter 3. Look again. The water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. And then it says, bottom of 16, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of Jordan, stood on dry ground while all the people passed over. We need reminders that God can do the impossible. They go for broke. There is a moment that we need to make a statement of faith. But watch what Joshua does to help the people. Look at chapter 4 and look at verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from white where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you in the future... When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a what? What's the word? Memorial to the people of Israel. How long? Forever. We need memorials along the way. And so as you run this race, Our house is loaded with them. I brought some with me today as reminders. And you know why I bring them? Because I want to remind me and our children and you of what God has done. I have here a Bible, and it's a small Bible. And if you were to come up and try to read it, you probably couldn't read it because it's in Chinese, (laughs) And the reason I have this Bible is because I want to remember, and from time to time I'll pull it out, and I've showed our kids along the way, let me tell you the story of when there was a group of us that smuggles Bibles in the back of my green backpack into, from Hong Kong to China. And when we took these Bibles in, you've heard a little of these stories the last couple weeks. These people, for the first time, held them close to them. And I purchased this Bible with my own money. Why? Because I want to remember what I saw. And I want to remember how God protected us as we carried these Bibles into China. I have this sword with me today, and it's handmade. You probably have never seen one like this and the reason I have this in my office at home it's a reminder on one of my trips my very first trip into Cambodia a long long time 20 plus years ago I was with a group of Grace College students leading them about 16 Grace College students and we were out in the jungles of Cambodia and during that time White men really hadn't been seen by a lot of the Cambodians in the bush. And so we were riding motorcycles out through the villages, taking the name of Jesus to the huts and people who had never heard about Christ. Our team was at a point where some of our teammates were beginning to be, get concerned and worried because it was getting late. And we were way back in the bush. This was before cell phones. We had no satellite phones. And I remember pulling our team aside and saying, listen, if God did this, and I pulled from the Old Testament, then God can get us through this. A few miles later, we ended up in this village, walked into this hut. And when I walked into this hut and we spread out, Amongst the huts, I had a translator with me, and I saw this lady who was just all twisted up, faced all wrinkled, just angry at the world. But she was willing to be hospitable and let us in. And as I walked into this hut, I will never forget the story, nor do I ever want to forget it. I said the name Yesukri to the translator. I said Yesukri, and she said Yesukri, or he said Yesukri. And the lady I watched her she began to talk rapidly to the translator. And I said, what, what, what's she saying? She said, she wanted to know if you said Yesucree. I said, well, tell her I did. <laughs> yeah, he said Yesucree. And I watched literally with my own eyes, this woman began talking to this translator, and because she heard, listen to me, the name of Jesus Christ, she gave her life to Christ in that hut. Why do I want to remember that? Because the Bible says that his name is above all names. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, yes, in the future, but even then. And I remember seeing that. And when she gave her life to Christ because she heard the name Jesus Christ, her whole countenance changed. I kid you not. It was as if someone just unpeeled this haggard look this stressful look and her eyes were bright her face was clear because she heard the name Jesus and gave her name to Christ and I remember leaving and I said Lord I want to remember this I don't want to forget this so as we're leaving the village walking down there was this group of Cambodians along the side of the road and they had knives and swords and so I went over and I bought this knife. And by the way, I put it in my carry on on the plane coming back. This was before 911. <laughs> and every time I see this, you know what I remember? What God did in Cambodia. And every time I pull it out, it's a reminder in my race along the way that our God is a powerful God and nothing or no weapon formed against him will ever prosper. Amen? So Joshua's looking at these priests. We need a monument because our people are prone to forget the story of God's goodness. So he builds it and he says this will serve as a sign. And the reason he says this, look again at verse 6, to serve as a sign among you, In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? We have a responsibility to take the truths of God and to see that it's passed down to the next generation. Psalm 102 verse 18 says it this way. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. Psalm 71, 18 says, Even when I'm old and gray, and do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all that come. In this jar are some stones. And you say, Pastor Jim, why do you have a jar of stones? You see, I keep memorials of God's goodness. Why? Because God told us to. (laughs) They're all over our house. And in this jar are some stones, and you're like... Why would you have a jar stand? Why would it have GCC on it? On the back of this, this glass jar, it says Gravel Drive, 10817. You guys ever remember we used to have a gravel drive out here? <laughs> Some of you don't. Let me tell you, there was a story one time. If you came to Grace Community, the entrance wasn't paved. And we used to have a lot of people that gladly drove and got the white stripe on the side of their vehicle. And because God provided and gave, and we had supporters that were willing to give, we paved the driveway. Mike Riley, who's in my small group, I came home one night, and this was on my front porch. Why? Because he wanted me to remember that God can provide. I have all kinds of memorials. I have this shoe, and you're wondering, why does it have mud all over it? And I haven't taken the mud off of it. In fact, I have the other one, too, On one of my trips to Iraq, our team went out one morning. George was part of, Hafsamer was part of that team, and we wanted, one of our themes for going into Iraq was to reach people, was to put boots on the ground. And one of the days, we decided we wanted to prayer run across Iraq, to go on the land that God had now allowed us to stand on to go on the land where the Old Testament was once birthed out of. And so we began to run out across the hills of northern Iraq, of Kurdistan. And we ran through some thick, heavy mud, so much that some of us had to pull our shoes out of the mud. And when I got back, I took these shoes and I put them in a bag. Why? I wanted them as a reminder. They're out in our garage and I have pulled them out from time to time, and I brought them out, and people ask, what are those shoes with mud all over them? Well, let me tell you a story. There were a group of people called Grace Community that believed that with the resources they have, that we should go to a place that some people say we shouldn't go. And we should take a step of faith, and someone needs to tip their foot in the water, and God will part the seas to put us there. And because of subsequent trips after the initial trip, the last trip in, let me tell you a story. Had we not gone, had we not prayer run and put boots on the ground, then 40 Iraqis, Muslims, and Kurds would not have made decisions for Christ. It's a story to remember. Some of them are just fun. I have this baseball that's on the shelf in my office at home, and there's a lot of baseballs. And some of them are just fun stories. And on this baseball, it says Tampa, Florida. First pitch, July 28, 2008. Isaiah and I, at a baseball game, got the chance to go out on the field and throw a high inside fastball to the catcher for the first pitch of the game. It's something that we can tell. And you know why we went? Because that night, I was leading a conference called I Go, an evangelism conference in Florida. And I said, instead of us just all sitting together, let's buy seats all over this stadium. And let's sit strategically away from each other. And let's share Jesus with people around us. And so we bought this bulk of tickets. And because we bought this bulk of tickets, the people that we're buying from said, we'll let you throw the first pitch out. And they said, Jim... You want to throw the first pitch? Absolutely. <laughs> and that night, I sat down beside a guy that God had strategically put beside me. I didn't know him from Adam. And he was there, and he was taking notes during this game. He was watching every pitch, and he was marking. And, and so I began to talk to him. Hey, what you doing? Well, I'm a scout, a major league, major league scout. Yeah. He said, I scouted for the Tampa Bay baseball team. And I talked to him nonstop for two and a half hours and was able to share the seeds of the gospel with him. So why do I keep this? To remember, you can talk to strangers who have never met you and they are open to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Joshua is saying, build a memorial. Let me ask you, do you have them? Is your lane just marked with stories along the way? If we don't retell them, then how will they know? We have phones that are loaded with pictures. Some of you might wonder, Jim, why do you put so much on social media? Because I want to testify to the greatness of our God around the world. I don't want to just keep it to myself and look. Look at this one. Look at this one. Look, that's the 650th picture. Look at that one. I want the world to know that if God could use donkeys to talk, then he can still act and move in the same way today. If we don't, Judges 2.10 says, there will be a generation that is raised up that neither knew of God or the power and might that he was able to do. So Joshua is telling him, build a memorial. Look what happens in chapter 4 and verse 24. Look what happens. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, this is the monument, might know that the hand of the Lord is what? Powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. Memorials are there to remind us of what God personally did for us. I have this book, and it doesn't mean a whole bunch to you, but it means a lot to me. There's a story here, and I keep this book in my office, and it sits in a place all by itself. And if you were to walk in my office, you might look at it, and you would say, huh, Baker's Dictionary of Theology. And if you were to open it up, you would see that there's two names in it. One name, Stephen Dearborn, scratched out. Below that, Jim Brown. And you know why I keep this book? Because it's a monument of God's goodness. When I was in and I went to seminary and moved from Maryland, we had very little money. And if you ever go to graduate school, you'll know that it's expensive to go there. And there are books to buy. This was before cell phones. This was before Audible and podcasts. This was way before you could listen to books online. And there were tons of books that I needed to buy that I didn't have the resources to buy. I was serving at Grace as a seminary student body chaplain. And as I was serving there, I got this call from this man I had never met before, Stephen Dearborn. And he called him, he says, is this Jim Brown? Yes, sir, it is, it's Jim Brown. He says, my name's Stephen Dearborn. In fact, my name is Dr. Stephen Dearborn. I said, sir, how can I help you today? He says, I got your name from someone who said that You would be someone worth talking to. And I said, About what, sir? He said, I know that you're a seminary student. I said, Yes, sir, I'm a seminary student. He said, I want to let you know that I have a couple books that I'd like to pass on to you. Poor seminary student, I'm all in. Where do you live, sir? He told me his address. So I drive over to his place in a Ford F-150 truck. I'm with my wife, and and we're driving over, and I'm with Josh, and as we pull up in this house, I go to knock on his door, and I come in, and he walked in. He said, hey, I I just want to let you know, he said, I retired from teaching at Grace Seminary. I was a biblical professor in the, the seminary for many, many years and in the college. He said, but the Lord has really spoken to me that I don't need these books. And that I should pass them on to an up and coming someone who's studying for ministry, potentially to be a pastor. He said, Would you be open to some books? I said, Yes, sir, I would. He says, Let me show you. He walks me back through his house and takes me into this 15 by 20 room, and on every wall are books everywhere. And then he says, This, I want you to take all of them. He gave me his whole library. I remember standing there just weeping, like, are you kidding me? There was a $50 book I was supposed to buy for tomorrow. There was $100. He says, not only that, I want to give you all my notes that I've ever taught in class, all my Greek, all my, all my theology. Here, here are my folders. And for an hour and a half, I wheeled books out of his house into the back of the truck, stuffed them up two and a half times the size of the bed of the truck. And So every time I see this and I wonder, Lord, I don't know if I can afford that $50 book. Well, Jim, I got one better than that. (laughs) I'm going to give you more books than you can imagine. And the reason I do that, I want people to know that this is a monument. When you face something, tell others. Because our God can do for us what he did for those that were crossing the Jordan River. You see, they remind us, that we didn't do it on our own ability, but in the strength of the Lord. Praise pushes back darkness and exalts the name of God. Can I just speak about us for a second? Why is it that we don't tell our stories? Why is it we're afraid to use social media to tell about the goodness of God? (laughs) Why is it we're always telling about how bad people are and what, what my ex did to me and, 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 and how horrible they are? Listen, praise exalts the name of God. Like, tell the story. If you don't tell the stories, a generation to come will neither know God or what he has done for his people. Tell the stories. So as you run this race, leave monuments along the way. Memorials provoke questioning from the future generations. People walk into my house, and I have this Coke can, and they ask, what does that say? Where did you get that Coke can from? A conversation is stirred. I've never opened it, but I brought it back from a place, and there is a story behind this Coke can, and it gives me a chance to share the goodness of God. If you want to know, I'll tell you sometime. (laughs) Memorials are signposts to a lost world that our God is great. They're signposts to the world that our God is great. They are seeking to, whether you believe it or not, We don't need to get in arguments with them. All we have to do is testify to the goodness of God, and if you keep testifying to the goodness of God and the goodness of God and the goodness of God, there will come a time that they will ask, tell me about your God. You need reminders of the past. I have rocks. This rock here means a lot to me. My last trip to Iraq, we were standing on a bridge in Iraq, and I was standing there with our older son, Josh. The Euphrates River was flowing under us, land rich with biblical history. And as we're standing there, I grabbed this rock, and Josh has a rock from, from Iraq too. And the reason I carry this rock is because I want to remember that moment in time with our 20-now-seven-year-old son. And to remember back when our first team went into Iraq, the first eight of us that went in, knowing that God had called us and you supported us and you gave. And I'll never forget standing out in the West foyer, saying goodbye to my wife and our children. And not to bring attention to whomever was on that team, but we weren't certain we were coming back, but we knew God wanted us to go. I'll never forget our older son, Josh, grabbing on my shoulders, tears running down his face. Put his arm on my shoulder and said, listen, dad, don't you worry about mom. Don't you worry about Isaiah and Hannah. Dad, I will take care of them. And I remember waving goodbye with our team. The van was quiet as we left, knowing that we were supposed to go. And then three trips later to stand on the very ground with my own son and to witness God intervene and see 50 decisions for Christ, I want to tell that story of faith that my son had and that my wife had and that my church had and the goodness of God and his faithfulness. We need memorials. Do you have them? We're so prone to go to the next thing and ask God for the next thing. And what happens is we get so miserable in this condition that we're in that we forget what He's already done. If you want to get out of the pit, if you want to climb over the obstacle, stop and praise the Lord. Memorials are time for us to renew our personal commitments. We need these reminders to give us a good kick in our pants to get back in the race and run as hard as we can, to recall a time when we fully trusted God and he came through. This book is precious to my wife. (laughs) It's precious to me because it's precious to her. It's called God's Smuggler by Brother Andrew. If you've never read it, it's a classic. And the reason it's so important to my wife is you see... She, as a freshman, went to Michigan State University. Didn't know Christ. Was raised in the church, but never heard the gospel plan of salvation. Knew that God was there, but no one ever told her that Jesus was the way. And her freshman year at uh, Michigan State University, she went to hear an evangelist. And the evangelist, basically, she was standing there because she didn't want to just follow a man. And the evangelist was calling people to be saved That night at this evangelistic rally, and Anne was part of the student body that was out there, and she wanted to make sure she heard from God and wasn't following a man. I love my wife for that. And so she said this, because at the end, she said something was happening in her heart. You want to hear her tell the story. She'll tell it much better. But she didn't want to make a decision for God because a man was telling her it's a good thing to do. So she said this, God, if this is from you, then make him call me out. She I'm standing there in the midst of all these people. And this evangelist points over and looks right at me and says, you want to come, don't you? (laughs) And he called her out, pointed her out. My wife gave her life to Christ at Michigan State University, and now this changed her worldview. It shaped the way she would think differently. And and now what she thought she was headed in a direction, she had to pull away and ask God, God, what do you want to do with my life? And so after her sophomore year, she took a year off and moved to Mexico City and worked with missionaries in Mexico City for a year. And was during that time as she was teaching kindergartners and first graders in Mexico City that were English speaking, that God was speaking to her. And so she wanted to hear from God, God, tell me what it is that you want me to do with my life. I will do whatever you want. And the missionary friend there gave her a book and said, hey. Read this book. <laughs> and so she reads this book, and as she reads this book, she tells me the story. She says, Jim, when I read that book, I knew that God was calling me to ministry. And she said this, even to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> so, you know, my wife did just a few weeks back, she didn't have a copy, she got online. She says, I just got to find the book. <laughs> And she got this book. It's a reminder, a memorial of a calling and commitment that she had made to God. We need these reminders that God can safely take us to the other side of doubt, depression, failures, and insecurities. We need these reminders that we can lace them up. And the same God that allowed the Israelites to cross the Jordan River at flood stage and parted it, It's the same God that's living today. This is a fun story. It's a fifty caliber casing and shell. It's from a tank. There was a time in my life where I drove a tank. I'll tell you the story sometime. (laughs) The reminders, these rocks... Our gifts from the kids in Asia. This marvel is a story that I will always tell about the goodness of God from our young, youngest son Isaiah. Our younger son Isaiah, when on his first trip, when we were leaving there, the first trip in, he was nine years old, going in a third world country. We wanted our kids to experience third world as soon as possible. And on that trip there, when we're leaving, first time in to see our rescue orphans they had only been in the 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 compounds the houses for just a few months they had nothing but the clothes on their back and the bed that they were sleeping in and one of the kids had a marble that was all he had that was his toy no other toy. And as we're leaving, Isaiah just, he, he, he just meshed so well with the boys and he was arm wrestling during the services and they were gibber jabbering together and they just, they loved each other and when they were leaving, this one little boy from Thailand reached out and pointed and gave Isaiah a marble. It was all that he had. It's a story to tell. You see, if we keep buzzing through the next thing, and we don't stop in the middle when God is doing something big and say, stop! Hold on a second! Do you realize what's going on right now? We are standing on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan River during flood season, and it's 20 miles deep with people. Our God is a great God. Someone tell the story! And Joshua said, build the monument. Because if we don't build a monument, we are prone to forget. And I sit with people who are prone to forget when it comes to decision making. But Jim, I only have this much. And I say, well, God's got a lot more. How do I know? I got monuments. I got stories to tell you oh Lord I pray that we would tell the stories I pray God that we would get so caught up in how difficult things are that we wouldn't pause and reflect and retell and build monuments I pray that this year As we step into 2019 and and buzz down our lane, I pray that we would pause along the way and tell the world of the goodness of God and that we would leave monuments so that when the generations to come will ask, what took place there? May we be people who praise you. May we be people who are quick to testify to your goodness. May our faith stories not go dry and may... We never be the generation that forgets how powerful you are or who even knows who you are. And may we run with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. In your bulletin, our list of goals, I want you to grab them. This is where Grace Community Church longs to run in 2019. And as we look at these, I believe that we're going to have stories to tell this year. Would you stand with me? I just want to run through these, and I want you to pray over these, put them on your refrigerators. I want you to pray through them and pray that God uses us to give him glory through these. Look at these goals that we as a leadership team agree and believe that God will be able to do in 2019. Present The compelling life-saving gospel of Jesus and witness 1,500 decisions. Assimilate 500 unchurched people into the walls of the building. Dunk 500 people in baptism. 300 active people in prayer encounter. Implement a father-son getaway at the lodge. Host and develop a men-are-back conference with 500 men being challenged. Kick off a new master's-level theological training program called Deploy through Grace Seminary here on our campus. Develop and train 10 future pastors, tools necessary to serve in ministry. Find a fresh way to speak for the voiceless children in our world. Graduate 700 men from Fight Club. Create a live stream interactive message that engages and reaches the watch on demand audience. Develop Grace Community app for our mobile devices that keeps us growing in our journeys. Establish an intern and residency program that develops future church leaders. Explore a new, fresh church plant by linking arms with the frontline local ministry boost the use of parks technology and raise awareness of children and youth ministries enhance the disc golf course with new signies so that the course gains more prominence in north central indiana explore options to upgrade two outdoor dorms at the lodge empower our women in fresh ways to flourish in their identities with jesus watch our women grow with a fresh discipleship journey celebrate the fruit of men who have completed the first leg of dudes and doctrine gain great Greater foot traffic on the grounds of the lodge so that people renew their wonder and awe of God. Leverage open gym and our workout areas to foster interpersonal conversation with locals to bridge the gospel. Research the possibility of an outdoor ninja style workout area on our green campus south of us. Build a walking and running trail on our south property. Forge ahead with scholarship program that helps our youth grow in Christ and participate in life changing youth events. Find creative ways to resource local churches. Foster a fresh hunger for God's word. Become the first church with 100% participation in giving at least a tithe to the Lord in their offerings. Become the fittest church on planet earth so that we never render ourselves ineffective to be used by God. Burn the mortgage. See an uprising of energetic, spirit-feared volunteers. Develop a strategic marriage discipleship journey that keeps marriage from crisis mode and moves them to thrive mode. Elevate our use of social media Build a godly, biblical worldview for each attendee of Grace Communion so they are prepared to give an answer about Jesus. Witness church-wide participation and outreach blitzes. Reach the local fishing community with an exciting bass tournament. Develop a team using our outdoor buildings at the lodge who can work on vehicles to assist single parents and widows in need. Hire the brightest, fittest, godliest, best suited teammates to help reach 150,000 unchurched. night an awe and wonder of God through spending time outside in creation. Witness an uprising of our teens for Jesus like never seen before so that the walls of our student ministries won't be able to contain them schedule and plan for worship experience outside the regular times plan a church wide day of fasting and prayer where we beg God to do the unthinkable witness with our own eyes ten unexpected miracles so that the people can respond by saying only God can do that challenge watch grace members become passport carrying followers of Christ so that they can go with the spirit prompts them release ten short mission teams with the message of Jesus and a loss. were world witness, hundreds of people being set free from addictions, be ready at a moment's notice to anything that the Spirit calls us to, laugh more, believe more, celebrate more, doubt less, and live like we believe Jesus is coming again today. Elevate a fresh awareness with a caring prayer and support system for all of our missionaries and mission points. Lace up our shoes daily and run our race with passion so that the world can be won to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.